Hey, True Crimeys, I'm Kayla. And I'm Kayla's mom, Alicia. And you are listening to True Crime Exposed. Welcome back to our show. If you're listening to us and supporting us every week, I literally love you. And if you're new here, you're in the right place for your true crime fix. Please make sure to go leave us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts and go leave a five-star review on Spotify. We super appreciate that support in helping us grow our show and you've killed it on the Apple Podcast reviews. I read every single one of them and we need more reviews on Spotify because they just started their reviews this year. Again, that support helps me big time in being able to bring you more content every week and continue the show that I'm so passionate about. Now, today's story is going to be a two-parter. You probably already know it, but if you don't, be warned that it is devastating. It's a case that sent shockwaves through our nation. A case that you just can't wrap your mind around. A case so evil that it makes your stomach turn. And with that, I'm sure you're not ready for it. But let's get in to today's case. So first of all, when I was writing this, I actually, I was like halfway through, I was like eight pages in and my computer shut off. And when I opened it, it was completely gone. Like everything I wrote was gone. Oh, that sucks. But I was freaking out. Like I was in a full blown panic. I was like, there's no way. So I was like panicking. I did a million things to try and like find an unsaved document. And what the problem was, my document was up, but it was just blank. And I was like, you're kidding. Like, it's just blank. But then when I went to press like the X to get out of it, because I was hoping I could press the X and maybe press like don't save. And then it would like not save the blank one. But it ended up just popping all the words back up. Oh, that's so lucky. So now I'm going to be saving every few minutes. Oh, that would be devastating. <laughs> oh, I was literally on the verge of tears. I just kept saying, no, 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 no. Let me find it, please. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, but I found it. Well, I didn't find it. I got it to pop back up with that X. And I was like, so happy. Wow, that's good. So on January 10th, 1984, Frank and Sandy Ruzkek gave birth to their first child. And this is a daughter who they named Shanann Catherine Ruzkek. And a lot of people get her name wrong, trying to call her Shannon, but it's Shanann. And her unique name came from a popular 60s rock and roll doo-wop group called Shanana. Have you heard of that? No, but is this the Colorado one? Yeah. Ugh. Did you <laughs> I know. have to do this one? I hate this guy. I hate him too. Like, I hate him. I actually made Jacob 
watch the documentary on Netflix with me. First of all, he's not really interested in true crime. And then second, he kept being like, if it has anything to do with kids, I just like my mind can't do it. Like, I'll just think about it too much. It just doesn't make me feel good. And I've always wanted him to watch it with me. Yeah. And he never would. So when he finally agreed this week to watch it, I was like... I just got in the right headspace to cover it. I was like, if he's going to watch it, then I can finally cover it. (laughs) I know. It's really sad. I know. Okay. Let's do it. We will get through it one way or another. This one's a a popular one because it's so disturbing. So that shenana, shenana, I don't know. I guess they played out Woodstock. I've never heard of them. But according to New York Times bestseller John Glatt, who wrote the book The Perfect Father, this is who Frank and Sandy named Shanann after. And she was born in Passaic, Passaic, New Jersey. And just two years later, Frank and Sandy would give Shannon a little brother. And this was Frankie. Now, his kids were still pretty young when Frank decided to move his family to another town. They were still there in New Jersey, but they moved over to Clifton. And with this, Shanann started at a new school, which was number 11 elementary school. And unfortunately, she wasn't really making friends very easily. Instead, she was being bullied, and this really broke her confidence. I guess kids would just like poke her on the bus. They'd say mean things to her. And she didn't fit into the quote-unquote popular crowd. And Frankie, he didn't like this. He might have been two years younger, but he was like, yeah, no, this isn't going to fly. And he always stood up for his sister. Ultimately, he would get into a lot of fights in her defense. But Frankie just seems like such a sweet little brother and sibling for Shanann to have in her life. Now, the family stayed there in Clifton area until about 1999, and this is when they moved to Aberdeen, North Carolina. Shanann ends up attending high school here at Pinecrest High School, and after all those years of bullying and being picked on, Shanann kind of found her people within this school, and they really helped her gain her confidence and friends, and this really formed her into who she would become. She had actually joined a theater class that was taught by Matt Francis, and this is where she bloomed. So her teacher, Matt, said, quote, she did not have a good self-image of herself, but she was brave enough to sign up for beginning acting, end quote. And by the time she was a sophomore, Shanann's teacher, Matt, became this really big mentor in her life, and she eventually became the stage manager in his drama club productions, She would help paint the sets and she would grab food for everyone while they all worked late. And it was her junior year when she managed the Godspell play. She really started to trust this teacher. She was spending a lot of time venting to him about any problems she might have had at home or drama she had going on in her life. And although she was eventually assigned a qualified guidance counselor at the school by her principal, she still preferred to pour out her feelings to her theater teacher. And when Matt ends up leaving the high school in 2002 to get married, Shanann was super sad to see him go. And as she went into her senior year, she ends up writing him a letter where she tells him that he's like a father figure to her. 
But senior year comes and soon she did find herself distracted from the fact that her all-time favorite teacher was gone because she meets Leonard King, who also had attended Pinecrest High School. And it's very shortly after she graduates that Leonard and Shanann get married. What? Yeah, so she was married before Chris. To her teacher? No, 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 no. Her oh, te- oh. <laughs> Le- te- Leonard King wasn't a teacher. He was just a kid that she met. Yes. Yeah, so Matt is the teacher. He left like before she went into her senior year to get married to his own fiance, who I'm sure was like of age. And then she meets Leonard King in her senior year. No, I got that. I just thought you meant, I just, my mind just jumped to that Leonard King was going to be a teacher that she met. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, But it was a boy. It was a boy, yes. Close to her same age. Okay. So Leonard recalls in an interview that he thinks they got married in 2002 or 2003. So they graduated in 2002. I'm assuming it was either later that year or soon into the new year that they got married. And of course, people were worried that she might be too young to get married, but she didn't care. She wanted to start her family and get her life going. She knew what she wanted. Now, I got married really young. So did you. I think I got married one year after I graduated. Did you get married when you were like, what, 19? Yes. And I I think it's a lot more normal around here where we live. And But even though it's worked out like at this point for me, and pretty much all my high school friends married each other and they're all still married, I, I don't think it's easy. So like I can get people like being nervous about someone getting married young. I even think I would be nervous about my kids getting married young. Right. Because you just have like a lot of growing up to do. You're either going to grow up and grow together. Or you're going to grow up and grow apart. And I mean, not to be a downer, but all you guys are still kind of young. Yeah, we are. So <laughs> at this point, we're all together. However, I mean, two of us have done separations and come back together. So, you know, I guess you never know where we'll be like when we're 40. And like, you're right. It is like, I just think it's hard to grow up and you're starting to get to know yourself. And, you know, like I said, you'll either go apart or come together. So... I think I'd be pretty worried, too, if my kid was getting married, like, right out of high school. Yeah. Even though I was. For sure. (laughs) Now, things were great between Shanann and Leonard at first. They, you know, they usually are in that honeymoon phase. And Leonard, he joins the army so that it can help him get through law school. And Shanann also starts college, but she would eventually drop out. Instead, she ends up getting this job where she sells pagers and cell phones. Shanann sort of felt like she had to quit college to take care of her husband as he went through law school. You know, it was really demanding, but that kind of started to create a resentment. And it was in 2006 that she became the manager of a cell phone store. And this was a promotion from her last position. The owner of this cell phone store at the time was Hisham Bedwan, and he also owned Dirty South, which is like a store for custom car parts and wheels. Both were there in North Carolina, but they were 130 miles apart, and Hisham would make Shanann the manager of both stores. And it's around this same time that Shanann and Leonard are suffering in their marriage, So things aren't going good, and he could feel her pulling away from him. Instead of coming home and trying to work things out, she would really just immerse herself with work, 
And although they tried marriage counselors, it was clear she was done with the marriage. So by 2007, Shanann is 23 years old and she's in the middle of this really hard divorce with Leonard. Now, the hardest part outside of grieving that relationship was that she had to completely start over financially. So she moved to Charlotte, North Carolina and enrolled in a psychology course at Queens University. Shanann decided she had to fight for herself and for her goals. And one of her biggest goals became buying a home of her own. And in 2009, she even one-upped herself in this goal by building her own home, exactly how she wanted. It was November 30th, 2009, when she signed a mortgage to build, and she decided to go with this brick exterior, and she built a pretty big house for herself. She had found a property on Lake Wiley, which was in a suburb of Charlotte, And this house was 4,000 square feet with 12 rooms, four of which were bedrooms and four were bathrooms. And I've seen pictures of it and it's like really pretty and really big. Wow, it's pretty impressive that she could do that so young and single. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. So she states like in a Facebook video, she says, I was 25 years old when I built my first house. That was my biggest accomplishment I have ever done because I did it by myself and I did it by working my tail off. And Shanann was a good businesswoman who followed her dreams and worked for what she wanted. She moved into that dream home of hers and she felt so much peace with where she was at. And then her health started declining. Within one month, she had lost 20 pounds. Her hair was just falling out in clumps. And there were many days in a row that she couldn't even climb out of bed. Her ambition was there, but her body couldn't carry her through doing all that she wanted to do. So she had to see a doctor. She couldn't live like this. It was May of 2010 that she finally found out what was debilitating her. She had lupus, which do you have like a rough idea of what lupus is? Oh, it's kind of just like an autoimmune that causes like severe fatigue and stuff. An autoimmune is like when the body is attacking itself, right? And it's pretty much incurable. Yeah. I guess she went online and... She read that it could be fatal, which is it often fatal or it just, you know, could be on a rare occasion. Yeah, I mean, I'm not an expert in it or anything um, since little babies don't get it. But I mean, I haven't heard that it causes death often. Okay. Doesn't Shannon have an autoimmune (laughs) disease? Yes, he does. Um, He (laughs) discovered it because he was giving blood and they test the blood. And they notified him that he couldn't donate blood because the testing showed that he had syphilis. (laughs) I remember that so much and you telling me. Which we were both like super pissed off at each other because syphilis is a sexually transmitted disease. And (laughs) both of us thought each other was having other partners, which would give each other the syphilis. But he thought you gave him syphilis. <laughs> it's like, how could I even have the syphilis? You're the one that tested positive, not me. So he thought you had given it to him and you were like, I didn't give it to you. You got it from somewhere. Right. So anyways, <laughs> we did further testing and um, he ended up testing positive for autoimmune. Um, one of them's called Shorgan syndrome and he kind of just ha- does have like lupus-like things. And that can just cause someone to test positive for something like syphilis. <laughs> yes. 
I, I don't know the exact science behind it, but I guess maybe some of the, some of the markers in the body show up with autoimmune and syphilis. <laughs> that was like one of the funniest things that I feel like ever happened. Oh my gosh, it was one of the most annoying and sh- shocking. Like that would be horrible to come back positive and be like, I swear I don't have it. <laughs> I know. Oh, Oh, that's hilarious. I love that story. I mean, he has kind of similar um, symptoms where he gets tired and his joints hurt and stuff, but there's medicine that you could take for it. So, you know, Shanann, after she found this out, she was like a big ball of emotions. So she did end up reaching out to the Lupus Foundation of North Carolina, and they really helped her understand like her treatment options. Like you said, she could take medicines for it. And Shanann did want some other opinions. So she saw multiple rheumatologists. Is that how you say it? Yep. Rheumatologists. Mm -hmm. So after she went to a few different doctors, it was confirmed that she did have lupus and she also had fibromyalgia. And I don't even know what that is. I've heard fibromyalgia a bunch, I feel like, but I don't actually know what it is. Yeah, it's kind of the same symptoms super tired and stuff yeah well shannon i'm getting shannon and shanann confused i know shannon and shanann <laughs> yeah too similar mm-hmm. so shanann she was able to get onto medication but it did make her feel super sick and she ended up actually gaining around 170 pounds which puts her into this really dark place emotionally At this point, although she was extremely successful as the manager at multiple stores for Hisham Bedwan, she called him up and she was just like, listen, I can't manage your stores anymore. I'm super sick and you just don't understand what's going on in my life right now. And it's just a couple months after receiving her diagnosis and falling into a deep depression that she receives a Facebook message from a man. This guy had already messaged her once, but she had ignored it. She was going through enough at that point the first time he reached out. And she didn't know this guy, but she had accepted a Facebook request from him before his messages because she figured, what the heck, I'll never meet him. Like, I don't know him, but it looks like we have, you know, some mutual friends on here. And this man was Christopher Lee Watts better known as Chris Watts. Uh. Boo. (laughs) Now, I freaking hate him so much. Like we said earlier, I hate him almost more than anyone on this planet. So (laughs) I am going to give some background on his life, but just not too much. Like definitely not as much as I gave on Shanann. He doesn't deserve it. No, he doesn't. And I like like deep diving into everyone's life in a case just to like get that background. But he bugs me so bad. I just don't want to talk about him. So I have a little. And if you want to find out more information, you can go read that book I referenced earlier by John Glatt. It's called The Perfect Father. But I don't want to talk about him too much. Good. So he was born on May 16th, 1985. And that date was actually far too close to Charlie's birthday. Thank goodness he wasn't born one day later because I don't think I could handle us being connected birthday wise to two of the worst people on this earth since I share a birthday with Chad Daybell. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
I was like, oh, thank goodness she doesn't share a birthday with him. I don't know why my whole family would be sharing birthdays with all the worst people <laughs> in modern days. Uh. Anyway, Chris was the second child of Cindy and Ronnie Watts, and he had just one sister, Jamie. She was almost seven years older than him. And Chris and Ronnie, his dad, they were super close. He idolized him. And Chris was explained as being shy and withdrawn growing up. And I guess his dad sort of had this personality as well. So he was 14 when he started attending Pine Forest High School. And while he was here, he retreated into himself even more. Now he was more withdrawn and just kept to himself. His peers hardly noticed him and he was mostly ignored. So Chris's automotive technology teacher, Joe Duty had explained him by saying, quote, it's hard to find a more perfect kid. He was in the top 10% of students I ever had. He was very quiet and introverted, but he was always completely polite and courteous, end quote. And it seems like he did do well in this class, even though he was just an average student in all his other classes. And I think this is because as he was growing up, Chris and Ronnie really bonded over NASCAR and they had attended over 200 races and Ronnie had already taught Chris a lot of mechanics. Now, although Joe Duty had loved Chris as a student, he was a little taken back by the isolation Chris lived in. He never once spoke to a girl, let alone had a girlfriend. And Joe said that he noticed girls were interested in him, but Chris was just too shy to do anything about it. Quote, many times I would look at him and think, what's going on in his head? It was like the wheels were spinning, but he was by himself. End quote. And during all his time in high school, Chris really didn't get into trouble. He never rebelled or stepped out of line. His sister, Jamie, she actually wondered if something was just a little bit wrong with Chris, like mentally, because he was so controlled and obsessive. I was going to say, yes, there is something. You were right. She was right. (laughs) Yes, she was right. He did have something wrong with him mentally. A hundred percent. Hate him. Yes. Now, although she was right, like we said At this time, she didn't actually think he was like scary mentally. She was thinking maybe he had some sort of like disability. Quote, it was his mannerisms. It was hard to hold a conversation with him unless we were talking about cars. End quote. So Chris goes on. He graduates high school in May of 2003 and he planned to go to the NASCAR Technical Institute, which was in Mooresville, North Carolina. He had received this $1,000 scholarship to this school and everyone from his parents to his auto tech teacher thought he would be very successful here. So he started going to school five days a week and his parents paid his rent and his bills along with buying him groceries so that he could focus on school. But he did want a little extra spending money. So he got a part time job over at a Ford dealership. And the apartment his parents helped him pay for was shared with another NASCAR student, Richard Hodges, who explained Chris sort of how everyone else explained him. Reserved, quiet, had almost no friends. And apparently, Chris's dad struggled big time with Chris leaving the home because they were so attached and Chris never visited home. He stayed out there near his school. And Ronnie falls into a depression 
and starts snorting cocaine to get him through his emotions. Oh, wow. Like, oh, okay, that's kind of on the next level to get you through your emotions. That's an odd coping skill. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Or mechanism. Yeah. He eventually does get caught. His little secret is discovered by his wife because I don't know how you keep that a secret for very long. And it gets around to the rest of the family. So Chris ends up setting up an intervention for his dad. And they claim that directly after that, Ronnie quit cocaine altogether. So by 2006, Chris did graduate from the NASCAR Institute and he graduated with honors. He now went full time at that Ford dealership and moved into being a service technician. But he really wanted to work for NASCAR. This was like his dream. So he sends application after application over to NASCAR before he finally scores an interview. But that's where it ended. He wasn't hired and that dream was over. Now, after a few years of working at the Ford dealership and going through a breakup with his first steady girlfriend, it was Nicole Kennedy, Chris's cousin, who told him that she knows this girl, a girl named Shanann. Nicole worked with her and knew that Shanann had just come out of a bad marriage. Just send her a request on Facebook and message her. What can it hurt? So that's where we come back to Shanann receiving that message. Remember, he had first messaged her months earlier, back when Nicole had suggested it, but he never got a reply. And eventually, he gives it one more shot. And this is when Shanann finally caves. She was ready to chat with someone. She had been through a lot. She had been divorced and then worked hard to build her own house, only to be diagnosed with an autoimmune disease that had her body all over the place. She was in a depression and she was ready to crawl out of that. So she messages Chris back and their relationship became so much more than she ever expected it to be. So after dating for a couple of years, Shanann and Chris decide to tie the knot on November 3rd, 2012 in Mecklenburg County. Shanann had fallen for Chris hard as he helped her out of her dark place. He listened to her about her previous marriage and all that she had gone through with her lupus, and he became this huge support for her. Quote, because I got so sick, I let him in, and he only knew me at my worst, and he accepted me. He is amazing, and I can't explain how wonderful he is. End quote. So Shanann looked absolutely stunning in her white wedding dress and that little tiara that sat on top of her black hair. Her family was ecstatic to join the couple on their wedding day in celebration of their love. Shanann's brother Frankie spoke at a wedding saying, quote, She's been looking her whole life for a good guy, and I couldn't ask for a better one. I love you guys. End quote. Chris and Shanann were just giddy as they walked through a line of sparklers leaving their wedding and they had these huge smiles captured on their faces. Now, Chris's family wasn't quite as excited as Shanann's family. In fact, his dad, mom, and sister, they didn't even attend the wedding. I guess Cindy and Jamie, Chris's mom and sister, they didn't like Shanann. They didn't vibe with her personality, but honestly, that seems pretty crappy for a family to just not show up at a wedding when during this time... Chris seems to be really happy with Shanann. It's like, you don't just not go because you don't like who they choose. Yeah, that's not very supportive. No, it's not. Like, bite the bullet and show up. Exactly. 
So Shanann's friend, she does later on explain Shanann as bossy, but like a good bossy. And I do actually get where she's coming from and like what she's saying. So Shanann, I think she pushed people to do their best and be their best. She was ambitious and she wanted others to meet their potential and she just wanted to help push them there. So it wasn't like she was a mean girl. She was just strong and determined. Now, right after they get married, there was some tension between Shanann and Chris. She knew it was because of the hurt he was feeling after his family really didn't show up for him. How could they just leave him hanging and He wondered, was this Shanann's fault? But we know it wasn't. Shanann didn't make his family bail, and eventually he realizes this as they work through his distance from her. And they came back to a really good place for now. So the couple had visited Frederick, Colorado at some point for a little vacation, and they both fell in love with the area. So within their first year of marriage, they made the move out there in 2013. Chris started working for Anadarko Petroleum and Shanann thought she would take a chance selling health and supplement products through a company called Lavelle or Level. I don't know how they say it because it's L-E-V-E-L, but it's also better known as Thrive Products. Now, this is a multi-level marketing company that I'm sure a lot of you guys see. So people posting on their social media, selling products, and also, you know, getting people to join them in their cells. The bonus is that they do get to work from home, from their cell phone, but it's not always easy to make some money off of these companies. But remember, Shanann, she was a savvy businesswoman. And when she decided to join, she really jumped in headfirst and just killed it. So she was among the few who really did become successful in a company like this. And she seemed to absolutely love it. In a Facebook video, she says, we really love it here. So at the end of that same year that they move out to Colorado, Shanann gives birth to her first daughter, Bella Marie on December 17th, 2013. And less than two years later, she gives birth to her second daughter, Celeste Catherine, on July 17th, 2015. Everyone called Celeste Cece for short, and the family made so many incredible memories during their time in Colorado. Now, because of Shanann's involvement with that company Thrive, she documented a lot of her life on Facebook. And I loved watching her videos because she's super vibrant and her personality is so big. (laughs) She really shines through on her Facebook as being happy. She's always laughing. And most of all, she loved her family. Now, is the Thrive, is that a company, does that sell like food storage? So the Thrive is, they sell like these patches that give you energy and stuff. Okay. So Chris and Shanann, they went on so many vacations and events with her Thrive business. They loved family games and they really loved Sunday football. And they were big fans of the Steelers. So that's Jacob's team. And that was really sad for him when he did end up watching the documentary with me. Just like to see them all dressed up in their Steelers jerseys, dancing, taking pictures, just having fun. <laughs> they got little Steelers jerseys for their daughters and they'd all match. And Bella and Cece are just super cute. Bella seems to be that typical oldest child. She's a little more reserved. She seems well behaved and she's just like the best big sister. 
And then Cece, she really fit into that second child stereotype. She seems super fierce and wild and like she has this huge personality that always made everyone laugh. And Bella had this cute brown curly hair and Cece had these little blonde curls. And these girls were everything to Shanann. So when she found out she was pregnant with a third child, she wasn't scared. She was excited to grow her family. It's June 11th, 2018, when Shanann posts a video to her Facebook. Her phone is set up to record, and she steps in front of the camera. She's wearing a shirt that is printed on with, oops, we did it again. And then she waits for her husband, Chris, to walk in and get the hint. He takes a long pause before he smiles and laughs, saying, I like that shirt, really? And he ends up making a joke about how it's probably going to be another girl. I mean, they have two in a row at this point, right? And Yeah, from what I remember, he wasn't excited about that, right? So... About the third pregnancy? For a fact, he definitely wasn't excited in a couple of months, and he says that. But at the beginning, he acts like he's excited, and it does sound like they discussed it, and they, like, agreed to try and get pregnant. But I think at this point in their marriage... She's not really seeing the signs that he's pulling away yet, but eventually he does. So yeah, the pregnancy in the middle of the pregnancy becomes like unwanted by him. But I think in the beginning it was maybe somewhat wanted, but the video doesn't like he doesn't seem that excited. Yeah, I thought he had some other stuff going on. Yes, (laughs) I think this is when it's just starting. Okay. Because we'll see just a couple days after this things kind of start, the wheels kind of start turning. So this was June 11th that she posted this video. And like I said, he acts excited. I don't know that he necessarily seems really excited because, so Shanann goes on in another video later on and she is saying she hopes it's a boy because Chris really wants a son and he'd be so happy. But after he makes that little joke about it only being girls, he looks off into the distance and it's like he doesn't know what to say. And he's just like, I I guess when it wants, when you want it, it just happens. And then he's like, wow. But it's not like, wow, I'm so excited. It's like, wow. I remember seeing it and thinking that he didn't act that excited, but I haven't seen it for a while. Yeah, I just watched it today and I, I agree. I don't think he seems super excited, but his words are saying he's excited. And then soon after this video, Shanann takes a video of her little girls and she's like, guess what? Guess what? She's, you know, super excited and she blurts out, there's a baby in mommy's belly. And Bella and Cece are both drinking these little chocolate milks. They have little twisty straws and they look up to her with their eyes getting big. Cece seems really excited. She lays back, she pulls up her shirt and she like starts saying that she thinks the baby's in her belly. And she's like, so cute. (laughs) So three days after this, on June 14th, 2018, Shanann posts another video to her Facebook. And it's of her oldest daughter, Bella, singing a song that she just learned. And she has the sweetest little voice. And she says, quote, my daddy is a hero. He helps me grow up strong. He helps me to snuggle too. He reads me books. He ties my shoes. You're a hero through and through. Daddy, daddy, I love you. End quote. Mm. Which that's making me cry. (laughs) I know. So sad. So she sings that video. Shanann puts it on Facebook and she actually captioned it like, I just want to cry because she thought it was so cute. Now, it's this exact same day, June 14th. 
that Chris enters a new phone number into his cell phone. And it's the contact information for a coworker, a woman named Nicole Kessinger. But maybe it's not weird, right? He could have reasons at work that he needed to get a hold of his coworker. But that's not quite how it turns out. In fact, by the end of June, Chris and Nicole are carrying on a full-blown affair. And it's around June 17th, 2018, that Chris lets Nicole know, like, hey, I am married and I have two kids, two little girls, but I am in the process of separating with my wife. Like, we'll be divorced soon. Did Shanann know this? No, because this is obviously a lie. (laughs) If he even had to say that he was married. Like, this is what Nicole and Chris tell investigators later on, but I don't know. There's like more questions I have and we'll get into that later. So it was only one day before this conversation that Chris has with Nicole that Shanann posts a Father's Day tribute to her husband. And then only two days after that conversation, Shanann posts her first ultrasound picture on Facebook with the caption, best dad us girls could ask for. So clearly she had no idea he was starting an affair. Now, because Chris and Shanann were raising their girls in Colorado, so far away from both of their families over in North Carolina, they did often try to go back for visits to let the girls' grandparents hang out with them. So it's June 27th when Shanann is headed out to North Carolina for six, like six weeks and Chris isn't coming. He, of course, couldn't take off work for six weeks, but he would fly out for the very last week of the trip. And Shanann hated to leave Chris behind and knew she was going to miss him. But what she didn't know is that Chris wasn't going to miss her. In fact, he was looking forward to getting to know Nicole better while his wife and kids were gone. Now, problems they do start emerging between the couple during Shanann's trip out to see family. Of course, she spent a lot of time with her own family, but she did make sure to visit with Chris's family as well. And while she was over there, Shanann and Cindy start to fight. Cindy had bought ice cream for the girls, but unfortunately, it was filled with all these ingredients that little Cece just couldn't eat. Shanann had to be really careful about what she gave to her youngest daughter because she was highly allergic to quite a few foods. So when Shanann sees the ice cream, she's like, hey, Will you like please not give any of this to Cece? She can't eat that. But Cindy didn't really care what Shanann had to say. Remember, Cindy already didn't like Shanann. She didn't even go to her wedding. And so this fight starts over ice cream. Shanann felt like Cindy was carelessly putting her daughter's life at risk, and Cindy didn't like how Shanann was reacting. So she kicked Shanann out of her house before Chris's dad, Ronnie, blocked Shanann on all of their social media. And it was soon after this, Shanann was throwing a birthday party for Cece over at her parents' house. Chris's parents knew about this party, but they didn't show up. And this made Shanann even more mad. Like, her in-laws can dislike her, but they didn't need to take it out on her children. She still expected them to at least show up for Cece. She hadn't asked them not to come, and she really just left that invitation open. So after they no-showed, Shanann told a friend that she never wanted to see them again. She was super hurt for Cece. Yeah, that's just crazy. Yeah, it's just rude. At least communicate if you aren't going to go the reason why. Like, you don't just not show up for your grandkid. 
So Shanann starts texting Chris about it, and Chris seemed like he agreed that it wasn't right to try and give Cece that ice cream. Shanann explains to him that their daughter's life is more important than her getting along with his parents. And from here, Shanann started to notice the relationship go downhill. Chris wasn't calling her the kids. They had been gone a few weeks, and he didn't seem like he was missing them very much. In fact, there were multiple times where Shanann tried to call Chris, but he wouldn't pick up. And all this time, she's thinking that he's pulling away because of that fight she had with his parents. But she doesn't know that he's really back home, sleeping with Nicole and busy with his new girlfriend. And also, didn't he like start working out a bunch and get ripped and stuff? Yeah, and I actually think he started working out a bunch before this. So it's like he lost all this weight. And at this point, he's feeling like he's like sexy or something. And he's not. But, you know, I think this is kind of not necessarily why he starts the affair, but that does happen a lot where there's like a big change or like you gain this new confidence and then you kind of find someone else. Yeah. There's one night where Shanann FaceTimes Chris a bunch of times. Her kids wanted to say goodnight to their dad, but he doesn't answer. Of course, he is with Nicole, but Shanann doesn't know that. He texts her the next day saying, oh, I didn't see these FaceTimes and I'm so sorry. I missed those calls. I'm very, very, very sorry. The FaceTime, it just went through on my work phone. But at this point, Shanana's pretty pissed off. And honestly, I would be too. Like if you're away long distance from your spouse, you should at least keep in semi-regular contact, like before you go to bed. If I called Jacob a bunch of times over the course of a night and he just like never answered until the morning and then he just sends me a text, I'd be like, um, excuse me? <laughs> like, you have to answer my phone calls. Yes, you would. You don't have to necessarily think they're having an affair, but, you know, what if they got in a car crash? And, you know, <laughs> I always go to the worst. Like, what if he's dead? Uh, I don't go to, I think he's dead. But, I mean, some a lot of times Shannon can't answer his phone. So, he eventually calls me back, though. Yeah, like, he would never just ignore you, like, all day and then all night until the next day. No. Not normal. So Shanann replies to Chris saying, quote, forget not getting my calls. You effing call your kids when you wake up. You have not called one time since we've been here on your own. And Chris is just like, I know I will FaceTime them as soon as I wake up from now on. I'm extremely sorry. Please be okay." And at this point, Shanann can tell he does not miss them. What's going on? She can't really wrap her mind around the way he's acting, and she calls him out on it like, I guess you don't miss us, but he's like, no, no, I miss you guys tons. Meanwhile, he's really having sleepovers with Nicole. She says that the first time she went over to Chris and Shanann's house, it was July 4th, 2018. Remember, Shanann is out on her trip with the girls in North Carolina, and Nicole says she just went over to their house to help him set up his diet and exercise plan. Well, Chris says that he was actually sleeping at Nicole's house that night, and that when he woke up in the morning to a bunch of missed calls from his wife, he gets a little nervous, and at this point, he's like, I need to go home in case she calls me again. And Chris claims that this made Nicole a little mad because 
She was the other person right now, and with that, she told him not to come over for the rest of the day. But as the day goes on, she slowly gets over it, and I'm sure he apologizes to get back into her good graces, and she ends up inviting him back over to her place that night. And a few days later is when Chris and Nicole started talking on the phone regularly. July 7th, 2019 is when their first call is documented. And it seems that these two are spending tons of time together while Shanann is out of town. She literally was back in North Carolina taking care of their two daughters, who at this point are three and four years old, and Chris could care less. He's living his new life back in Colorado with Nicole. He wished this could last forever. So he takes Nicole out on a date on July 14th. They go to a car museum, and while he's here, he misses a bunch of calls from Shanann. Chris ends up getting back to her here and there, and he's saying the right things. Like, I'm sorry, and I miss you guys, and I love you, but there's just something off about it. Like, there's no emotion behind it, and actions really do speak louder than words. Regardless of Chris's slight attempts at apologizing, Shanann could just feel the shift in their marriage. She could feel him taking a step back from her. So on July 14th, we know that Chris was yet again spending the night with his girlfriend, Nicole. And on this date, he takes a bunch of sexy pictures of Nicole in a bathing suit. And then he downloads those photos onto a secret photo storing app. And this is the app that looks like a calculator. The only way to get into this app is by like putting in the correct passcode And if you don't get the passcode correct, you would never know there were pictures hidden inside. Like you can use the calculator like regularly. Just one week later on July 28th, 2018, Chris and Nicole head out to the Great Sand Dunes National Park. Now they take camping equipment and spend the night at a campground. It's only two days later that Chris is getting ready to leave for his flight out to North Carolina. This is when he's going to spend the next week with Shanann, Bella, and Cece as they finish up their long stay. But Chris has to make sure his girlfriend knows he will be thinking of her. So he buys her a card and he writes in it the lyrics to a song, Down to Earth by Roots. And this paints a pretty clear picture of what Chris was doing while his wife and two daughters were away. It sounds to me like he got to know Nicole pretty well during the month of July 2018. They spent multiple nights together, they went on dates, they even did a camping trip, and they were both loving it. I can't get a clear picture on whether Nicole knew he was full-on married, because she later on claims she barely knew him, and that she didn't know he wasn't actually separated. She didn't know that Shanann thought they were in a committed relationship. Yet to me, This doesn't sound like she barely knew him. He probably just lied about everything. Yeah, but there's some weird things found on her phone by police that make it seem like she definitely knew she was having an affair. Huh. Who knows? Now, what we do know is that Shanann had no idea about Nicole Kessinger. Although, as Chris would break her heart over the next weeks that she was gone, she did start to question that something was going on. Who wouldn't when your spouse so suddenly pulls away and wants nothing to do with you? But then she second guesses herself and she thinks there's no way. He was just mad about her fight with his family. So Shanann keeps texting her friend, Nicole Atkinson. So yes, there's two Nicoles here. 
Shanann's friend and then Chris's girlfriend, two different people. And then I even think there was a Nicole at the beginning, which is Chris's cousin, Nicole Kennedy. So a bunch of Nicoles. Now, when Shanann was texting Nicole, she's just telling her that something is really wrong. She doesn't know what she did and she can't stop crying. Shanann also exchanges a lot of texts with Chris during this trip. One reads, quote, I realized this trip what's missing in our relationship. It's only one-way emotions and feelings. I can't come back like this. I need you to meet me halfway, end quote. Clearly, she can feel something is not right. People aren't stupid. We have intuition about situations for a reason. And when something is off, it's off. Definitely trust your gut. So Chris, he has to reply so over the top, trying to convince her that what she's feeling is not the case. He wants her to think he still loves her, but we know he's happy back at home, spending probably most nights with his girlfriend. I wish he would have just, you know, had that hard conversation with Shanann while she was back home with a support system. Like, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm done with the relationship. I've made mistakes. I've met someone else. But Chris is a coward, so he just replies, quote, You won't come back like this. I promise. I love you so much, beautiful. End quote. Now, Shanann goes on to explain to Chris that this isn't fair. She shouldn't have to check her phone all night for a response from her husband that she will never receive. They have been together for eight years at this point, and they're about to welcome their third baby into this world. She deserved a lot more consideration than Chris was giving her. Now it's July 31st, 2018, when Chris hops onto his flight from Colorado to North Carolina. Shanann loves documenting their lives, so she records their daughters as they run up to their dad for big hugs after about five weeks apart. Bella and Cece, they can't stop smiling and talking to him. They were so excited to reconnect. And while the family spends the next week in North Carolina, they do things like taking Bella and Cece to the beach for the first time and spending more time with family. Shanann was relieved that he was here after feeling so ignored while she was away from home. But that relief also came with heartbreak, because he was here, yet he was still ignoring her. Then days were passing, and there were no more kisses, no hugs, and to be blunt, no sex. Shanann is confused, because they haven't seen each other in five whole weeks. He had to at least have some needs, right? But no, he didn't seem like he needed Shanann at all. Yet he was telling her that there was absolutely nothing wrong. Over and over again, she would text her friends about how she just wanted to cry. So Shanann went out of her way to try and make it clear to her husband that she wanted to sleep together after the five weeks apart. She has needs too. She's venting to her friend explaining this and about how Chris is just not interested. He's over here doing a push-up challenge instead of discussing anything or sleeping with me. He's never been like, like this. It's been five and a half weeks with no sex, unless he's getting it from somewhere else. And this is where we can see these thoughts creeping into Shanann's mind. She's clear that he's shutting her out and he has never shut her out the way he was right now. But I don't think she really wanted to believe he was having an affair. Like, sure, the signs are there, but would her husband really do that to her? Like, especially when she's pregnant. And we know that he really was having an affair. And though it hadn't been too long, he seemed to be in deep. In fact, on August 4th, 
While Chris is out in North Carolina with his family, Nicole Kessinger was online for more than two hours searching for wedding dresses. Like, hmm, that moved awfully fast. Wow. About a month into their affair. But some people move quickly. True. Now, it's August 7th, 2018, when Shanann, Chris, Bella, and Cece catch a flight from North Carolina back to their Colorado home. Shanann documents her two little girls lugging around their suitcases and sitting on the plane. It's this same day that Shanann is texting with a friend. She tells her friend that the night before their flight, Chris actually told her, You know what? I'm scared about having a third baby. And I'm really happy with only having Bella and Celeste. I decided I don't want another baby. Which like, okay, Chris, well, what do you want her to do about it? Because she's already pretty far along with your third baby. I think she's pretty close to being, I don't know how many weeks she's in, but soon after this, she's able to find out the gender. So 17 to 20 weeks or so. Oh, yeah. I I would be furious if I was pregnant and my husband was like, you know what? I actually don't want this baby. Like, oh, okay. Do you want to move out? (laughs) So Shanann's friend, she just like replies telling her that she should check his phone. Make sure there isn't some other B-I-T-C-H that I have to kill. And then she goes on to ask her if Chris would maybe try counseling. But Shanann kind of sets the cheating comment to the side, saying that his behavior is totally coming out of left field. And Chris, well, he refuses to sit on a couch talking to a stranger. So no counseling. And it's on their drive home from the airport. Chris actually starts talking with Shanann more. And she kind of gets excited, like, okay, maybe it was just the distance. And once they get inside their home, Chris hops in the shower right after Shanann does. This feels like a sign. She's hopeful that he will finally sleep with her since it's now been six weeks without any intimacy in their marriage. So Shanann texts her friend and says, I'm sure if he hates me, sex is sex. But things don't go as Shanann expected them to. Chris surprises her in the worst way by rejecting her advances and she fell into a puddle of tears, walking away and sitting outside trembling for hours by herself while these thoughts just raced through her mind. Another text to her friend reads, quote, just went in the room to wake his sorry ass up and asked him who he's sleeping with. He denied anyone and he told me not now, end quote. Again, we see that thought enter Shanann's mind. She knows in her gut there's probably someone else, But no one really wants to believe that. It's easy to say, you know, like it's an easy thing to say, but it's not an easy thing to truly believe. So when her friend asks her what's wrong with him, Shanann replies, his parents. Again, she's retreating back to the thought that she's the one who pushed him away by fighting with his family. And it's only two days later that Shanann and Chris attend an ultrasound for the baby. And this one's the special one. Shanann gets to finally find out the gender of her baby. And she's hoping that if it's a boy, things just might get better between her and Chris. Maybe he will be so excited that things just snap back into place. So the plan was to have a gender reveal party. So it's like during this ultrasound, they're not actually finding out the gender, but they'll get an envelope with the results inside. 
But during this ultrasound, Chris just radiates more red flags to Shanann. She vents to a friend through text messages again, saying, quote, he refused to hold me and he's not there. He can't. I haven't slept most of the week. My eyes burn from crying so much. I cancer. I canceled gender reveal. Nikki is going to tell me today. I need happy news right now. I said to him, how is this a few months? We were so intimate and what I thought in love when I left. He said he had a lot of time to think. The baby in my belly deserves his full love. Either way, I said, you sat here in this living room and you said it would be great to have another baby. We talked it out a lot before, beforehand and we agreed to do this. You were so excited and happy. I grabbed his hand during the ultrasound and he didn't grab back. I cringed. He rejected sex night we arrived here. Only thing I can think of, even though I don't think he has it in him, is another girl. End quote. Okay, guys, like I said at the beginning, this is a two-parter. So this episode is going to end right here. We will have a palate cleanser and all the credits at the end of part two.